name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I have three grown boys, godly young men. They all have families. But I still remember the challenges of trying to help them grow up and learn the difference between good and bad. Can you identify with me a little bit? Sometimes they got those kind of confused, you know. What made you think that pulling your brother's hair was good? But anyway, I remember this one time um, when I took my oldest son, Nathan, with me to the, the boat show at the Fort Worth Convention Center. And it was a big event. He was about six years old. It was a father-son thing. It was just he and I. And he was wide-eyed. All these boats, all the sights, all these sounds, all these smells. And we came across this place that was where a, a, a small booth was. And there was a guy there selling Ginsu knives. <laughs> you, you remember the Ginsu knife? It slices. It dices. It makes Julian fries. Now, I'm not sure how in the world it made Julian fries, but... But we're there, and, and the guy that's selling it, he's doing all the demonstrations. You know, he's doing, got a tomato, and he's slicing a, a slice of tomato that's, that you can see through. It's paper thin, all that stuff. Well, I looked over at my son. You know, the guy, he has a little mic on. He has little speakers. And so, you know, it just creates this aura. And for a little six-year-old, it resulted in him going... And he was captivated. And I just, and I got really entertained by this. Because it's, you know, it's not a short pitch. It goes on and on. <laughs> it's one to convince you, you have to have this. This is good. This is the good thing that you need. And I just watched him all the way through this, and he did not waver. He was there following everything all the way through it. And then the guy makes the pitch. And at the very end of it, Nathan looks down, and he looks over at me. And I looked at him, and I said, you want one of those knives, don't you? And Nathan goes, and I, and I just said, well, let's do this. Let's just kind of keep going, and, and we'll sleep on it. And if you still want one tomorrow, we'll come back here, and we'll get you one of those knives. And he's like, okay. And the thing that strikes me about that is that's kind of what it's like for us in the world we live in today. Is there are lots of voices out there telling us what is good for us. What is goodness. And yet, all of them, uh, they're, they're just presenting their own agendas. And here in the gospel today, we have Christ saying, I am the good shepherd. But he's not talking about the things of this world. You know, so often when we think about good or goodness, um, it's an adjective. It's something that describes something else. It's, it's, I had a good meal. We had a good time. It was a good experience. Well, the goodness of the Good Shepherd is something profoundly more. Now, the last few weeks, Father uh, Culpepper has been presenting the rippling effects of the resurrection. 
In other words, those things, those effects that we all experience and continue from the point of the resurrection all the way to this day and on into the future eternity. He talked about the rippling effects of peace that's real peace, peace that passes all understanding, rest that's not obtainable before. He talked about joy, the fullness of joy that is Christ, a joy that's fuller than was ever available before. And today we want to talk about the goodness of the Good Shepherd, goodness that was never available before the resurrection. So, the good of the good shepherd is a goodness that's not subjective. It's not contingent. It's not based on experiences. And it's not an adjective of the shepherd. It doesn't describe the shepherd. It is a picture of the fullness of the shepherd. In the gospel, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not a hired hand. I lay down my life for my sheep. Now, he's using a metaphor here that kind of came out of left field for his audience. But it's not a metaphor that anyone was unfamiliar with. You see, all of his listeners were very, very familiar with sheep and shepherds. In fact, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing sheep or shepherds. There were shepherds driving sheep in through the town. There were shepherds and sheep right on the edge of town. There were sheep in the marketplaces. They were even in the temple. It's not an unusual, unfamiliar metaphor. And yet, just a few verses earlier, Scripture says they didn't understand what he was talking about. What are you talking about? And he's saying, I am the shepherd. I have a sheepfold. Then he talks about the difference between him and other shepherds. He said there's hired hands that, that flee when danger comes. But not me. I lay down my life for my sheep. So... What is the goodness of the good shepherd? How how can we get our head around that? Well, first thing we have to do is, again, understand it's way bigger than just temporal things, than the things we experience. It's bigger than safety. It's bigger than security, even though those were some of the metaphors that Christ used to contrast him from other shepherds. Now, it's not less than those things, but it's much more than those things. You know, theologians and philosophers have often connected the ideas of truth, beauty, and goodness together. They said, these are things that are basic, that there's there's nothing before them. They're primary. Truth, beauty, and goodness. They call them the transcendentals. They understand them as first concepts. Properties that transcend time, they transcend place, they transcend culture, diversity, religious doctrine, personal ideologies. 
that their core, that their base, their intrinsic, nothing precedes them. And for us as Christians, as part of Christ's sheepfold, we understand them as fundamentally the highest elements of creation because they come from the Creator, reflections of the Creator. You remember in the, in the creation story, when God created light, what did He say? It is good. Let there be dry land, and it was good. Let there be vegetation, and it was good. Creation is good because it comes from God. The goodness of creation is the goodness of God. It is the goodness of the Good Shepherd. So after resurrection, after Christ's resurrection, the rippling that began was that it was an end where the corruption that had entered the creation at the fall, death, ugliness, no longer had dominion. There was new. The new creation had begun. Or if you will, the recreation. Creation beginning to be restored to its original intent. And this is the ripple of goodness that comes from the resurrection and continues for us today, and not just now, but all the way into eternity. But there's a problem. Because even though it's a present reality, it doesn't always feel like that. I mean, we still live in the fallen world. We have to remember these things because so often the things that present themselves to us are very difficult. In fact, if we're honest, I think most of us would have to say there are times, there have been times, when we question God's goodness. We question whether Christ really is the good shepherd because of the pain, because of the hurt. Sometimes it's hard to trust him, even though we already know the end of the story. You know, isn't that really what's behind everybody ultimately that rejects God? I've never met an agnostic or an atheist that at the end of the day doesn't have a story of when they got mad at God. Reminds me of the cartoon character of the atheist saying, I don't believe in you, and I'm going to tell you every day. <laughs> you know, that, that is the struggle. But the good news is there is good news. There is a gospel. There is an end to the story. And the mistake we make is thinking that Life is going to be without suffering and challenges. Personally, I believe the biggest issue we have in the church today is a terrible theology of suffering. We don't understand that it is by following Christ on the way of the cross that we get to the other place, that we go through the other Now, the last few weeks have been real interesting for me and for my new wife, uh, uh, I, I call her Mrs. Dean, uh, 
Julie, uh, we, um, we had a romance during COVID, which was very interesting. Uh, I have yet to meet all of her children because some of them live in other parts of the country and travel was just not uh, something that, that uh, we could do to that area. Um, but it's been a, a wonderful romance as well. And, and we got to a place where uh, uh, a little over, almost two weeks ago, uh, we got married uh, here in Fort Worth at Christ the Redeemer. And uh, it, was, it was terrific. We had uh, most of our kids there, most of our family there. Um, it was a wonderful experience. But four days before the marriage, we found out that Julie has cancer. And what's especially uh, challenging for us was that um, she and I are both widows. And we both lost our, our spouses to cancer. And so this news that we get as we're looking forward to this new life together, understanding, knowing very well God brought us together, that God intends for us to have ministry together, that all of a sudden... We, we're going to begin this marriage with this hanging over our head and the uncertainty of what it means and all the flashbacks of what that means of having already walked through that with our late spouses. Now, we don't know why and we wouldn't have chose this and we didn't like it. In fact, it was more than we didn't like it. It was really God are you kidding me? This is not the way we wanted to start a new beginning. And yet, our faith in him never wavered. Uh, our, we, we developed a new life verse for our marriage, which comes from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, that we, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not beaten. Because the Lord is our strength. And, and in that, I think it's that sort of a perspective that you have to approach a real understanding of the goodness of God. Because it transcends the experience of a marriage. It transcends the experience of happiness. It transcends um, all the good, all the bad, and all the journey that we have. It's a goodness that's deep, that's basic. Truth, beauty, and goodness. That's our future. You see, the good news is we already know the end of the story. When there will be no more tears. There will be no more cancer. And so we walk today in light of that, following our good shepherd. Now I want to do something a little different for the close of this. With that as the backdrop, I would like to invite you um, to again say with me, this time in unison, the psalm we just recited responsibly a few minutes ago. 
Because you see, in the middle of all of the things that press down on us, the way we can hang on to the basics of truth, beauty, and goodness is to remember that we have a good shepherd and he's always leading us. So join me as we say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of thy enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.